Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ruth chapter number one. I came in and, it, and Emily stopped me back there and said, you know, what are you going to preach on? I started just tell her, Emily, just put whatever you want up there. But we're going to try to work with this. Ruth chapter number one, verse one. The Bible says, now it came to pass in the days when judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion. And I may be saying them wrong, but that's what's going to work tonight. Ephraites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. Oh boy. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left, and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Oprah, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. Malon and Chilion died also, both of them, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. I know that's not real uplifting. It's not the passage you want somebody to come read to you when you're on the sickbed. But I I promise I'll try to end somewhere uplifting tonight. But I want to preach for a little while. It's hard to dance in a graveyard. It's hard to dance in a graveyard. You'd make me feel a lot better if you'd set your Bibles down and one more time clap your hands and lift your voice and praise the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. You may be seated. God bless you. You can be seated if you promise to help me. If you're not going to help me, remain standing so we know where you are. Amen. Ruth. Chapter 1 simply states that during a famine in the land of Israel, a certain man named Elimelech, he moved his family from Bethlehem of Israel to Moab, which was approximately 60 miles to the east. The word used in the Bible is sojourn and In verse 1, it is rendered, and it just means to reside temporarily. It's important to note that when Elimelech moved his family out of Bethlehem to Moab, he had no intentions of staying there very long. 
He had made in his mind a temporary trip to the land of the Moabites. He apparently intended that when the famine was over, he would return. However, the move itself isn't the only issue that's often discussed with this passage. Many Bible teachers move beyond what is simply stated here and begin to speculate, if you will, that Elimelech was not just misguided, but he was wrong in his choice to move his family to Moab. Some have went as far as to compare him to the prodigal son in Jesus' parable of Luke. Or Abraham when he went to Egypt and got himself in trouble. Moses himself, in a way, a prodigal on a journey to the promised land, was buried in Moab. Add that to the fact that not only Elimelech, but his two sons died while in Moab. What a beautiful picture I'm painting you tonight, right? The speculation that Elimelech was wrong seems even more plausible when you realize that Moab cost him his life. And Moab cost him his boy's life. The two sons of Elimelech and Naomi were Malon and Chilion. Again, if I'm saying them correctly. And, and, and in the Bible, and I know that you know this with the great Bible teaching that you have. But they didn't just name their kids because that was the cool name, you know. They didn't name their kids because they got on Google and said best 25 baby names. I, I see some people name their babies. I'm thinking, where did they find that? It's like they looked in the medicine cabinet and said, that'll work. <laughs> a feed of medicine, that's a good one. <laughs> But, but those names had significant meaning. I guess you would say much like the Native Americans. Their name meant more than just, you know, that's a cool name. I was coming out of my office today. We got a, a man in our church, been in our, years, our church for years and years. And, 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 and he's, he's just there. I don't know how to say it politely, so I just won't say it. But, but he stopped me on my way down. I'm going down to get to the front row and try to get my brain around preaching. I'm focused on church. He's taught me. And Brother Wilkes, yeah, he said, uh, what's, what's Drew's full name? I said, Drew Wilkes? I mean, it threw me off. He said, so it's Drew Wilkes. That's my middle son. I said, yeah, it's Drew Wilkes. He said, Drew Wilkes. I said, I, I got to go preach. I said, yes, that's his name. He said, nothing else? I said, nothing else. I think he thought it was Andrew Wilkes. But I remember when my wife and I was naming him, I said, I said, no, we're not going to call him Andrew. We're going to name him what we want to call him. So we called him Drew. I thought maybe he wanted a middle name. I just didn't pick up what he was throwing down. I don't know where he was going with it. I don't know if he's going to go get a keychain made with his name. I don't know. But when they named their sons, when Elimelech and Naomi named their sons, their names respectively meant sickly and wasting. Now that's kind of a tall order to show up to the breakfast table with. Hey, sickly's here just to be a blessing. Don't worry, wasting is on his way. Now I know some of you are thinking, man, I really missed it with my kids' names. But one can see even these names would lend themselves to the view that the two boys could have possibly been afflicted with something 
Or maybe they name them according to their season. Maybe they just named them according, if you'd give me that latitude tonight, of what they felt they were going through. Maybe they were sickling and wasting. I don't really know, but as far as the land of Moab is concerned, two factors, great factors, add to this speculation that Elimelech was out of the will of God. First, The Moabites, they were descendants from Lot through his incestual relationship with his daughter. Second, Moab was the enemy of Israel. It's kind of stacking up against them here. So Moab, a place that it has its roots in incestual relationships. And that's the last time I'll say that. It has its roots in that and its roots in being an enemy of Israel. And Elimelech, you're going to let a famine in the land make you choose to take your family down to something that has its roots in sin and perversion? Now, I know, I know what is, what's expected. And that, that young man, I like that introduction he gave me tonight. I hope that's on YouTube. I'm going to go back and watch that. But I bet he wouldn't have said it if he knew what I was going to preach tonight. He just said, well, Brother Wilkes is here. Pastor's glad he's here. We're just going to endure it. (laughs) But you're telling me, Elimelech, that you've let a famine in the land move you out of the will of God and move you down into a land of perversion, into a land that has its roots in sin and has its roots in being the enemy of God? Why'd you do it, Elimelech? You ever want to just ask people that, that get away from God? What what are you doing? Is it really all that fun when you turn and run? Is it really great when you start embracing things you once said were so wrong? And I know what you're saying. You're saying, Brother Wilkes, you said it's Sunday night. Pastor's on vacation. We're here. That means we're the church. But I'm telling you, I'm trying to preach to the prodigals that are just lost in the house tonight. Because you can be in a revival church under a prophetic, a prophetic canopy and blessing. And you can still be moving slowly towards a land that God never intended for you to go. Somebody clap your hands and praise him tonight. Elimelech didn't just wake up one day and say, I wonder what I could do to move my family into the wrong place. Oh, no. The Bible says they were in a famine in the land. See, it's easy. And when I was younger and naive and just plain silly, excuse me for saying it that way, I used to see people leave the church and I'd think, you know, this is back long before I was pastoring people. Probably when I was young and a teenager, I think, you know, they just don't love God. They're just worldly. They're just carnal. And I understand maybe that's the case sometimes. But sometimes it's a famine that blows through the land. Here's the reality, church. Famines are a reality of all of our lives. There's family famines. There's financial famines. There's church famines. Come on. I I remember when I was coming here back in the fall. Man, there was a powerful move of God here. I could feel the Holy Ghost. I, I couldn't wait to get here. we'd be driving I couldn't because I just knew God was going to do something but there's some Tuesday nights when there's no wind blowing 
There's some Sundays when trouble and trial has made its way to the into the arena of your world. And that's in those moments when the enemy starts to come in and we're looking for a little relief. We need an escape from the famine. We need an escape from what we're going through. And it's in those moments that the spirit of Imelech rises up in us. And we begin to embrace things. And we begin to take on things we were never meant to take on. And we begin to have emotions and feelings and attitudes and anxieties and depressions and fears and all sorts of things that come into the warp and woof of who we are. And we didn't really mean to have it that way. We're, We're still in the church, but somehow now we're doing things we thought we'd never do. And it's not because you're a dirty, rotten sinner. It's because when the the famine comes through, when trouble, when trial knocks on your door and it knocks on every door, it's the response to what you're going through. And I come to tell this church tonight, the devil hates this little place. I'm not saying little place in a derogatory way, but you got a haven over here on this side of Indiana. There is a prophetic canopy that rests above this house. There are miracles, signs, and wonders that are always present here. But some of you have had to fight hell for the blessing that is in this church. And I come to let you know tonight that that's not a sign God doesn't love you. That's a sign for you to hang on and hang in there and stay in the fire. Come on, somebody praise him with me. Praise him. On and on I could go tonight about the trying times and difficult times we all find ourselves in. It's in these dark moments, you hear me tonight. It's when life is not going grand that you find out who you really are. It's when you find the test of how much you are anchored in this. Elimelech, I don't believe he intended. He didn't intend to go to Moab and die there. In fact, he said, I'm just going to sojourn there a little while. And it's so easy for, and I'm not trying to overstep into to pastor's area tonight, but I feel a burden on my soul to tell somebody tonight, isn't it amazing how we think this, this is not going to be an addiction. I'm just going to do this a little while. This isn't going to be. I'm not going to fall off into sin. I'm just going to hang out here a little while. I have to excuse my passion, but I'm going to preach like one of my boys is on that back row tonight. And I'm telling somebody in here, don't let trouble move you out of the will of God. Oh, clap your hands and love him tonight. Just as surely, just as surely as there are famines in all of our lives, there also is Moabs you can choose to embrace. The danger of a famine is that it's easy to decide to embrace a new place, a new habit, a new attitude. Just as surely as famine comes. So too, there is a Moab that you can move to. There's a place that you can escape the pressure. You can escape the pain. You can escape the work. The famine, the hurt, the pain, the difficulty. It'd just be easier, Naomi, if we just moved to Moab for a little while. 
Oh, Brother Walls, if I could have got to Imelech before he moved there, maybe I could have told him that Moab has a price. I don't want to offend you tonight, but I know I'm in a Pentecostal apostolic church, and so I'm just going to tell you, sin has a price. Has a price. Has a price. Elimelech, it's not just going to cost you. It may cost your children. It may cost your babies, Elimelech. Come on. Come on. It's, it's not just that you're going to die there. Bible said Moab, or excuse me, verse number 3, it said Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. Now that's a pretty uplifting scripture. He died. He went to stay in Moab just a little while and now he's died. And all of a sudden, the Bible doesn't really give any fanfare. It just says he's died. You know why? Listen to, listen to me tonight. If you want to escape the rest of this, you can. But hear me when I tell you. Moab, it'll go from being escape to burial. He didn't intend to stay there. But he ends up dying there. Naomi's now lost her covering. And in just a couple verses, her sons are going to die. And there goes her legacy. And all she had is now gone. All she was ever promised was now gone. And I'm telling you, I watched it again today to just make sure I had the date right in my journal. But on August 22nd or 26th last year, Brother Stumbo stood in this pulpit and he preached the four failures of Saul. That's a tremendous message. And if you forgot about it, you deserve to go back and watch it again. But at the end of that message, just a little snippet, he had a word from God. And it was as prophetic as a word as somebody who screamed and sorted an hour could have preached. But he told this church that you've been unshackled from your past. You've been set free from where you came from. You've been set free from what went wrong in your life. And I come on this place tonight to tell you you've got to be reminded of that great promise. Because if the devil can do anything, he will take you in a season of revival and get you to embrace where you not, where your God has not brought you, but where the enemy wants to keep you somebody lift your voice and praise him with me tonight come on lift your voice and praise him with me tonight I really believe and I'm not one of these pastors and a lot lot are do and if you do there's nothing wrong with it but you hear it at funerals all the time if if so and so could, could talk to us today here's what they'd say I'm thinking sometimes, well, that, he never said anything like that. I don't think that's what he'd say. Sometimes I hear that and I'm thinking, you didn't even know that guy. But I understand, I understand why they're doing that. I really believe, however, if we could raise Elimelech up today, I do believe he'd say, Preacher, give me that microphone for a minute and let me tell these people the worst thing I ever did was move my family to Moab. The worst thing I ever did was embrace a land of sin and perversion. The worst thing I ever did was bring my family into a place where ultimately my sons would die. I come to tell this church tonight, our world is going down by degrees. The Bible said evil men are going to wax worse and worse. But let the church rise up in this hour and say this world has nothing for me I'm not going to Moab I'm not going to Moab I'm going to stay I'm going to stay in the church I'm going to stay in the house of God I'm going to set my anchor oh clap your hands and love him 
Here's what he did, girls. Here's what he did. Elimelech let the famine set the direction for his life. And you hear me. I don't care tonight whether you're in here and you're 70 or maybe you're just a young teenager. Life has got a lot of winds that are going to blow through. There's going to be good days and bad days. But the storms don't set my direction. And the world don't set my direction. And what's going wrong in the church don't set my direction. I'm not moving my family to Moab. God's been too good to me. God's promised me too much. I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay right here in the church. Can I tell you tonight, I'm not here to to get too close to where you're living. That's not my business. But oh, saint of God, come on. We all go through things. And the devil loves, I've preached on identity here before, but I'm going to touch it just for a moment if that's all right. He loves for the famine to set and determine your identity. I can just see Elimelech packing up to move to Moab. Come on, honey, we ain't got hardly nothing left. I bet he even felt sorry for himself, Brother Labana. I I bet he had every right in his mind. He justified it, justified it, justified it. And I'm going to tell you something. When you start justifying sin in your life, the devil will fan that flame, my friend. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not going to be ugly tonight, but I feel anointed to tell you right now, there needs to be some people put your foot down against some things in your life tonight. You need to make up your mind before I come back in here on Tuesday night. There's some things I'm going to bury at this altar. I'm walking out of this holy house tonight with my mind made up. I'm not giving in to this world. Come on, somebody praise him with me. Come on, praise him, praise him, praise him. I know, especially these young people, they're probably thinking, Brother Wilkes, no worries. A famine's not going to set my direction because they can't relate to that. Well, let me give you some modern famines. It's called emotions, it's called moods called finances it's called passions it's called temptations it's called drives it's called hurt it's called pain it's called a wounded spirit call it whatever you want it's the winds that blow through our life because listen the same afflictions that are in 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 the world are in the church man that that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble as the sparks fly upward there's, listen, I, I don't know if when you got in the church, somebody told you that getting in the church was like getting on the love ship. No, 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 it's the battleship. There's good days and bad days. There's all kinds of winds that are going to blow through your life. You're going to have people betray you and people are going to lie on you. You're going to have temptations rise in you and you're going to have struggles and pains. And I'm still preaching to a house that's full and pregnant with promise. But I'm just telling you, the enemy wants to rob you by bringing things into your life that were never meant to be there. And I came to jerk the cover on the devil's lie tonight and tell you it still matters how you live. It still matters where you go. It still matters. Don't go to Moab. Stay in the church. 
I wish somebody would just for a second jump up on your feet and say, devil, I'm anchored. I'm not going anywhere. I've got my mind made up. Come on, lift up your voice. be seated. I'm going to go just a little bit more. Naomi, Naomi, your husband's dead. Your covering's gone. Your sons are gone. Your legacy's gone. Naomi, what you going to do? And Naomi looks around her and she quickly discovers it's hard to dance in a graveyard. Now, I don't know what kind of graveyards you guys have around here. But, but my, uh, and, and I'm just a little different here, I know that. But, but about the only experience I ever had in a graveyard besides going to funerals is running through one in the middle of the night as a teenage boy. At, and I hate to say this, and I know it's online. After we'd snuck off and watched a horror movie we weren't supposed to watch. And it scared the heaven into us. Ah, uh, some of you thought I was going to slip up right there. Uh, I'm not going to slip up at my pastor's church. A devil might get me in Vivi, but not here. And we got to running through a graveyard, and one of my buddies had, a, had an old vehicle, and he started flipping the lights on, and we didn't know he was over there, and it scared us to death. We were, I, ain't got, I don't like graveyards. All four of my grandparents have passed, and the only time I've ever been in the graveyard is the day of their funeral. I've never went back. I don't have no desire to. I still think about them and reminisce and all that. But, but Naomi realizes, I'm standing here in Moab, this land of perversion and sin and wrong, and here I've lost my husband. I've lost my boys. You know what she was really saying when she said it's hard to dance in a graveyard? She was saying it's hard to find your praise here. Here's what I'm trying to tell you, and I'm not trying to be ugly tonight. If you let the devil take you to a place you were never supposed to be, you will wake up. You will wake up. But all the praise is gone. All the promise is gone. Her future is gone. And she doesn't know what she's going to do. And she's desperate because it's hard, it's hard to dance in a graveyard. Even when Naomi wants to get her praise back, she becomes imprisoned by her own thoughts, by her own feelings. Come on, stay with me. It's when you become imprisoned by your own addictions. That word addictions come out of my mouth about three times a night, and I'm just going to say what I feel in the Holy Ghost. But God wants to break that spirit either in this room or for you in this community. God wants to break that spirit of addiction. But I'm going to tell you what makes you a church with the power to set others free. It's when you get free yourself. And I'm not saying you're not free. We're redeemed people by the blood of the Lamb. I'm not saying you're not, but I'm telling you, we're living in a world where churches and church folks are struggling with some of the same, same things the world is struggling with, and we wonder why there's no power in the house. I come to tell you tonight, you didn't come to Moab to have church tonight. You came to Bethlehem, Judah. You came to lift up the name of God, and anything can happen in this house. Hallelujah. Give him praise with me. 
Come on, give him praise with me. She's, she's so imprisoned. She finally decides. I've seen this happen with prodigals before, but she finally, Naomi finally decides to go back to Bethlehem. This is a beautiful story. You could teach weeks of Bible studies on it. I'm just trying to give you a synopsis here. But she finally decides to go back to Bethlehem, Judah. Judah, that part we simply know means praise. And she's ready to return. She's ready to get her praise back. Yet, yet even upon changing locations, she cannot seem to get her perspective correct. Consequently, with much passion and fervor, she laments in verse Excuse me, verse 19. I'll, I'll skip and read to verse 20 if you would. She, she decides to relocate to where God wants her. But even though God has taken her into a season of blessing. Now this is what I really feel to say to you. Even though God's put promise over the top of you. Though God has spoke blessing and revival and deliverance to you. She gets back to the land she was never supposed to leave. But even in that land, she says, oh no, don't you dare call me Naomi. You call me Myra. Because God has dealt very bitterly with me. See, that's the, that's the thing the devil don't tell you. When he's getting you to embrace stuff you shouldn't. He don't tell you that you may make the trip back. But you may not be who you were when you left. I'm not questioning God's ability to redeem. I've seen it too much. If you want to hear a restoration preacher, I preach it. I believe it. We've seen it happen too many times in our church. But oh, hear me when I tell you. The devil never tells you the price of going down to Moab. He never tells you about the tombstones in Moab. He never tells you what it's going to cost you. He never tells you, Naomi, that even if you make it back to Bethlehem, Judah, you're not going to feel like the same person you were. I want to tell you, this is what I really feel, and it's why I brought another sermon. And here a few minutes ago, I'm thinking I should have went with it. That's okay. Here's what it is. There's going to be a revival that continues in this church just like you've been prophesied to. It's going to be a revival where the reaper's overtaken the planter. It's a perpetual state of revival. But I don't doubt one bit that since last fall the enemies fought you. I don't doubt one bit that some of you have been through struggle and trial and test. You know why? Because the devil knows he can't stop what God's promised here. He cannot stop God's word. But let me tell you what he can do. That's try to sift you out of it. Brother Seth, he doesn't care. He does not care. He does not care. He knows he can't stop what God wants to do here. But you know what he wants? He wants Seth. He says, if I can get Seth out of if I can just put some things in his heart, if I can put some things in his mind. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody in here. There's, uh, listen, I, I'm preaching to everybody but Brother Walls in here when I tell you this. I don't see your angel's wings. I see no halos in this room tonight. There's some struggle in this room. There's some test in this room. There's some sin in this room. And I came to tell you what I said at the beginning. God wants to bring a deliverance to this house where somebody walks out of here and says, Devil, it's over. I made up my mind. I made up my mind tonight. I will be in the revival of MPC. Somebody lift up your voice and praise him. She's not... Brother Walsh, she's not in Moab anymore. She's made the trip back. 
She's made the trip back and she says, Don't call me, Naomi. You don't know how God's dealt with me. You see, something about where she's been has changed her identity completely. I see it right now in the church. I feel it right now in this room at a season where there should be much passion and courage. You know what apostolic passion looks like? It's that, it's that young lady. Is it Carrie? Sister Carrie standing up here and she just mentions worship and children and the tears come to her eyes. Oh, I was just, you know what I was thinking, Brother Kyle? That's the kind of people we need in children's ministry back home. That's the kind of people we need in worship back home. That's passion. And in a season when that should be what fills this church, the devil would love to get your minds tossed to and fro with every other wind. But I came to tell you tonight, I know the master of the wind. I know who calms the storm. And he sent me to tell you there's still a revival in the land. Somebody lift up your voice and help me pray right now. I was honest with you. I almost brought something. I did bring something else because in case I chickened out. I stopped about Seymour, at, or maybe that was, yeah, was Seymour at Starbucks over there, and I tried this out on Brother Kyle, and he didn't repent, so I was hoping it worked on you. In a season when this church ought to be seeing the miracles continue and the blessings continue, the enemy seeing, who can I get to go down to Moab right now? Who can I get to leave Bethlehem, Judah? Who can I get to walk out of MPC on a Tuesday night and say, I'm so tired of midweek service? Who can I get to get on a weekend somewhere and say, I don't think a little drink will bother me? Who can I get to say, this click here won't really matter? And I'll just send this text message. It really don't matter. And I'm not trying to meddle tonight, but I am preaching. I'm telling you, the devil's trying to drag some of you to Moab. You need to jump up in the devil's face tonight and say, you can huff and puff, but you won't blow my house down. I've got my mind made up. I've got my mind made up. I'm not going to Moab. Come on, somebody lift up your voice and magnify God with me. Uh, uh, Come on, praise him, praise him, praise him. I didn't, I didn't try the sermon out on Brother Kyle, but I did ask him permission to tell this story. Brother Kyle didn't grow. This is my one. Of, I'm not even going to say one of my best friends because we grew up together, and he knows stuff he can't tell, or I got to kill him. I'm just kidding. But we grew up together. We were dear friends all through school, and and he's not a best friend. He's like a brother to me, and I really mean that. I, I, I'm closer to him than most of my own blood family. I love him dearly, but he was about 19 or 20 years old. And, and my wife and I had gotten married at, at 18 because we weren't smart enough to know not to do that. And we were living out where Brother Kyle's girlfriend lived. And don't let your wife watch this version. But, but about, the, about the time his parents had divorced, and, and, and that hurt him, of course. And then his high school sweetheart 
they break up and that breaks his heart. Well, he shows up on my doorstep one night. I said, well, come on in. So, I don't know, he was there for weeks. He, I wish I wouldn't have let him in. <laughs> but I, I got to be honest, it wasn't me that invited him to church with me. It was my wife. She said, she said glad you're here, but if you're going to stay here, you're going to come to church with us. And, and how were you, 19 when you got the Holy Ghost? 19 years old, never been raised in church. I don't know if you'd ever even been with me before. 19 years old, he comes in church. Repents of his sin. God's filled him with the Holy Ghost. He's baptized. Starts serving God. He gets, gets going with his life. And I, I'll spare you all the details, but he come up on some hard times. But prior to getting the Holy Ghost, Brother Kyle... Now remember, this is B.C., before Christ. Brother Kyle was our friend that, that his house was the house to hang out with. Or the house to go to. Can you all fill in the blanks there without me telling too much? Just anything goes over there, you know. And he had a barn, and we'd hang out in that barn. And I had the Holy Ghost. They didn't, and so God helped me. But, but he, the, Brother Kyle struggled with some things and got some addictions early on. And God helped him and, and saved him at 19. And he let all that behind. I'm telling you, that guy turned his life around. He left his friends behind. He left everything he ever knew and started serving God. God got up living his life and trouble came. Because you know why? Because famine comes to every house. Trouble comes to every life. And in a moment of despair, Brother Kyle went a few miles from where our church is. On a, I think it must have been a midweek, a Wednesday night. And he made his way up to a bar. Put his elbows up on that bar because what he knew to run to in that famine was go back to a Moab place. He was just trying to escape what he felt. He was just trying to escape the pain. And so desperately he went to that bar and he sat there. But something grabbed a hold of him sitting there and said, wait a minute, this is not who I am anymore. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not Myra. God hadn't dealt with me bitterly. I got the Holy Ghost. He got up off that bar stool. He made his way to church. He was late that night. But here we are probably close to 20 years later. And you know what, Brother Kyle? He's assistant pastor at our church now. He's full of the Holy Ghost. His wife's full of the Holy Ghost. His children are full of the Holy Ghost. You know why? Because God has the final say. Come on, lift your voice. Lift your voice. Come on, lift your voice. Uh, can I tell you something, church? And if I, if I overstep here, Pastor will come home and correct this. This church is going to love you no matter where you are. But this is a revival church. And we're not going to follow you to Moab. And we're not going to let you bring Moab in here. I'm not talking about your struggle. We, we, this is a hospital. But I'm saying that way of thinking, that behavior... That attitude, that mindset that says I'm no better, I'm no, I, this is who I am. I'm telling you, in the Holy Ghost tonight, God came to set you free from that. Uh, I refuse to let you embrace that. So I, I contend this tonight, and I really am working towards a close. I'll, I'll even try to read that clock if it makes you think I care. If Moab became a burial place, I just need you, are you, can you use your imagination? I was somewhere one time, a gentleman in our church was sick and a bunch of his family was in the room. They started talking about all these like 
Star Wars movies and all this stuff. And every one of them, they said, I've never seen it, never seen it, never seen it. And they said, why didn't you see this? Why didn't you know? And Brother Seth, you just looked at me like, what? Don't judge me, man. Let he who was without sin cast the first stone, man. Jesus. I'm getting nervous on me. And finally, the, the brother that was sick, and he was, the, I'm not making a joke, that he was on his deathbed, really. He finally just spoke up real loud, said, Brother Wilkes, you just got no imagination. And that kind of offended me. And I got to thinking about it, I really don't have much of imagination. But I need you to have one with me a little bit. Can you just have a little imagination with me tonight in the Holy Ghost here? Just for a second. If Moab is a burial place, then for just a few seconds tonight, why don't we all act like we're in Moab? But instead of letting the enemy bury us, why don't we bury what's trying to bury us? I know how it is. I know how it is with you church folks. I pastor some of you. Oh, I used to have a lady. She's passed on. Not because of this, but when, when I'd get to preaching right where people were living, she'd say, oh, Jesus, bless them. Bless him. Bless him, Lord. Bless him, Lord. I got, I got mad one night and I shouldn't have done it. I said, Sister Betty, he is blessing me. I shouldn't have said her name. I don't think she can look over the vestibule of heaven. I don't read my Bible that way, so she didn't hear what I just said. I know some of you are saying, oh, that's good, preacher. You get, you get some of them tonight. They got Those young people, they got some stuff they need to bury. I ain't just preaching to them. I ain't just preaching to them. I'm preaching to this whole church. It's not enough for you, for you to attend a church that's in revival. God wants you to be a part of revival. And the enemy wants you to bring all sorts of things into your life that will stop you. I hope to God pastor's not watching this message. Last thing a pastor needs to be doing is worrying on vacation. But we want him to have a good vacation, right? Well, you've got to act right for him while he's gone for him to have a good vacation. You know what I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost? Everything you've been promised. Go back. I believe it's August 22nd. These guys could probably check. Or 26th. That Brother Stumbo. What's his first name? Jordan. Yes. Brother Jordan Stumbo. I'm telling you. That ought to be preached at every minister's meeting. Every leadership meeting. That was incredible. And he preached it with such a spirit of humility. When I seen him, I almost fell. Of course, as you can tell, I'm real tall. And he's just a little bit taller. I almost fell around his waist when I finally seen him to tell him that message helped me so much. But I'm telling you at the end of that message, if, if your spirit, your flesh can't take the whole message, you just fast forward to the very end. He tells this church what God's unshackled you from. He says it very softly. He doesn't scream and holler it like I do. I'm telling you, you could go back to the services I was here, the blessings, all the generations of preachers that have put prophetic promise over this house. But I came to tell you, I want you to be a part of it not just this church I want you to be a part of it and the way that we can stay a part of it is there are some things that must be buried I feel it in the Holy Ghost sis if you'd come and play it'll calm us down a little bit I feel it in the Holy Ghost it's not enough 
It's not enough, young people, for you to go to camp next month and jump and cry and snot in those altars and come home and keep living the way you are. There just comes a moment when enough is enough. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be rude and ugly, and I promise you, I'm not. I hope I'm in the right spirit. I'm just telling you, I won't desperately. There's many of you I know personally. I, I look back there, Brother David, I, I, I got a little bit of stake in you doing well, buddy. I, I, I stood there when you said your vows to your wife. I, I want to see you a part of it. I want to see you all invested in it. And I know the enemy, when God's getting ready to bless churches, the enemy loves to come in and start sifting. I dare you to look to your left or right tonight. There's nobody we want to see go. There's nobody we don't want to see a part of it. And the enemy will do everything in his power to get you to embrace whatever he can so that you don't walk into the season God has for you. And I came with maybe a not well said word, but I came with a simple word for the enemy tonight. I will, and so will you, walk in what God has for you. I'm not dying in Moab. I said, I'm not dying in Moab. In fact, I'm willing to lay down whatever I've got to lay down to make sure that Moab doesn't just leave from me, but Moab don't become part of who I am. Stand with me all over this room. Would you begin to lift your voices? Come on, would you lift your voices? I've always found it interesting, Brother Seth, that although she passionately says, don't you call me Naomi. You call me Myra. I've always found it interesting that Scripture never calls her that. And maybe I'm, I'm using a little latitude here when I say this. But brother, you know what I believe that's an example of? That God refuses to call you what the world's tried to identify you as. God says, oh no, I'm not going to label you your trouble. I'm not going to you, label you your sin. I'm not going to label you your struggle. I'm not going to label you, young lady, your greatest mistake. Oh no, I'm not going to call you that. I'm going to call you a child of the king. I'm going to child call you redeemed. You know what? If we could have just told Naomi, Naomi, if you'll just wait a moment, there's a Boaz. If you'll just wait a moment, Naomi, there's a Redeemer. If you'll just wait a moment, you don't have to call yourself Myra. 
I come to tell you in this house tonight that God come to set some people free. It won't be for the people that's, that's convinced they want everybody to think they got it together. But I just believe there's some desperate people in this room that says, I'm tired of the struggle. I'm tired of the trouble. I'm tired of the sin. I'm tired of the temptation. I'm tired of what I'm going through. I just believe that there's those kind of desperate people in this, in this house that are going to get out of their chairs and walk down to this altar. And I'm telling you, there is a redeemer here. There is a redeemer here. There is a redeemer. And he's here. He's here. He's here. Come on, Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.